would you define the word influence? How you affect other people. Very good. Come on, y'all. I got all day. I don't have to preach till 6.30. How would you define influence? The way you affect other people? Do I have to be in their presence? How do I affect somebody if I'm not in their presence? Text them? <laughs> How else? How else? How, you, how I live? What about this here? Amen. Can I affect somebody's life by praying? Amen. Tell me. Set an example. Very good. Help me define influence. What is influence? Whoa, I didn't even think of that one. Good one. That's a, it's a responsibility. What else? Along the same lines, would you consider being an influence a privilege? What else? What is an influence? Well, I see y'all ain't being too cooperative, so I'm going to help you out. Amen. An influence is a verb. You see that? We're not talking about a noun. Influence is an action word. Influence is, means to affect the nature, development, or condition of. If I want to take that definition a little bit further, influence is power. Say power. Influence is power. It is the power to indirectly and even without touching to affect another person or a course of action. Do you believe that you have influence? If you believe that you have influence, raise your hand. Keep it up so I can see. Byron don't got no influence. There you go, much better. Thank you very much. You all have influence, but have you ever considered who you influence on a daily basis? We immediately think of our children. Uh, we may immediately think of our coworkers. But what about the person behind you in the Walmart line? What about the folks that you come to church with? What about family members? What about your parents? All these come into a list of people that we can influence on a daily basis. Back in 1848, there was a missionary named John Getty. And John Getty went to an island chain called Vanuatu. Vanuatu. And he worked there as a missionary for God for 24 years. Now, after four years of being in Vanuatu, after four years, John had translated and published part of the Bible. Now, after 12 years, John had translated and published the entire New Testament. But check this out. Six years after he died... The people of Vanuatu went on to publish and translate the entire Bible. On his memorial that was erected in his memory, the words are inscribed as follows. When he landed in 1848, there were no Christians. 
But when he left in 1872, there were no heathen. That is, no believer, no unbelievers. God used the influence of that one man to convert an entire culture to having the offer of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. Realize it or not, you have influence. Realize it or not, your example influences other people. But listen here, you listen and say amen. But especially young people. You got influence. And the way you use that influence impacts others, but especially young people. Today is going to be a message that's probably different than any other message I've ever preached. Because all I'm going to do is I'm going to let the Bible speak. And I'm going to let you see firsthand at some examples, uh, some influences, if you will. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to bless you because the Word of God is going to speak to you. But before I go there, I want to give you an example of an influence over from an adult to a young person. Uh, a mother took her young son shopping. And after the whole day in the mall and the stores, they went up to one clerk to pay the bill. And the clerk gave the little boy a lollipop. And the mother quickly said, what do you say to the man? And the little boy said, charge it. If you don't believe we don't have influence, you got another thing coming. Amen? Whether you believe it or not, you got influence, and you influence people every day. Every day of your life, you influence other people. Sometimes it's in little bitty ways. Other times, it can be an influence that can change the course of history. Today, we're going to see the result of influence, both good influence and bad influence. If you would, open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of 2 Kings, and I'm going to share with you the influence of seven or five kings that existed in the land of Judah. First of all, I want you to see the influence of King Ahaz. In 2 Kings chapter 16, in verse 1, the Bible says that in the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, Ahaz, say Ahaz, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God as his father David had done. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire. He actually made his own son pass through the fire and be killed. Um, we're in the habit of killing our children these days too. Do you know that? Do you know that? Before they're even born. I'll continue on. 
according to the abominations of the nations of whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And Ahaz sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us right there, but in other places in Scripture, the Bible leads us to understand that Ahaz served as a co-king, if you will. Uh, served as king at the same time as his father Jotham did, and they did that for about 12 years. Now, Ahaz is short for the name Jeho-Ahaz. Jeho-Ahaz, and Jeho-Ahaz is the name that's listed in all the history books for this gentleman. Now, Jeho is a prefix that means, that stands for Jehovah. Okay? So, my question was, why doesn't the Bible go along with the history books and call him Jeho-Ahaz instead of just calling him Ahaz like he does in chapter 16? Well, what you need to know is, is that Ahaz turned his back on God. Ahaz rejected God. Ahaz worshipped idols and he influenced everybody in his kingdom to do the same thing. So I believe that when the Holy Spirit inspired writers to write the Old Testament scriptures, I believe the Holy Spirit purposely omitted the Jeho part of his name. Why? Because there wasn't no God in him. Amen? There wasn't no God in him, so they weren't even going to identify him as Jeho Ahaz. My question to you this morning is this. Is God in you? Is God in you? Do people see God in you? And if God is in you, friend, who are you influencing for the kingdom of God? Two questions. You've got to identify, is God in there? And if he is, who are you influencing for the kingdom of God? You see, Jotham... Ahaz's daddy had a poor, poor influence on that boy. And so we find in, verse, in chapter 16, verse 20, Ahaz rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Now I want you to see the influence of another king, a king named Hezekiah. Say Hezekiah. Hezekiah, very good. Now, King Ezekiah, the Bible says, in 2 Kings 18, the Bible says, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, the son of Elah, the king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. Now, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. Listen to what he did. He removed the high places of worship. He broke down the sacred pillars. He cut down the wooden images. And he broke into pieces the bronze servant that Moses had made because people were worshiping the, the, the image. 
Verse 6, or verse 5, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments which the Lord had commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. And the Lord prospered him wherever he went, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Hezekiah was a good king. In fact, more space is given to King Hezekiah in the scripture than any other king except for King Solomon. Now, the Bible speaks of countless spiritual and political victories that came through Hezekiah's faith in God. Hezekiah's reign was one of great reform. He reformed the entire nation of Judah, and I think that's something that we need today. Would you agree? Amen. We all need uh, reform. So I want you to make sure that you remember that when you vote next year. Amen. Uh, Don't forget that. But Hezekiah conducted all-out war against every form of idolatry. As far as his trust in God was concerned, Hezekiah was the greatest of all the kings in Judah. So we know that Ahaz didn't influence Hezekiah for good. So who influenced him? As it turns out, it was God himself that had the greatest influence on Hezekiah. But... All kings die, and we find that in chapter 18, um, maybe it wasn't 18, it's chapter 20, in verse 21, that Hezekiah rested with his fathers, and then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. So now I want to share with you a little bit about the influence of another king, a king named Manasseh. And in 2 Kings verse 21, let's listen to his influence. In verse 1 of chapter 21, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. And listen to how long he reigned. 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. He raised up altars for the false god Baal. He made wooden images as Ahab, the king of Israel, had done. He worshipped the host of heaven and served them. He also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said in Jerusalem, I put my name. He also made his son pass through the fire. He practiced soothsaying. He used witchcraft. He conducted spirit, or uh, he conversed and consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. He even set a carved image of Asherah that he made in the house of which the Lord had said to David and his son Solomon. In this house and in Jerusalem I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. I will put my name here forever. He actually made an idol and put it in the church. There in the temple. Manasseh. Now, Manasseh's daddy, Hezekiah, was a good and faithful king. One of the best known kings in all of Judah. 
But it seems like that Hezekiah didn't spend very much time with his boy. He didn't spend very much time being an influence over Manasseh. And you see what happened. Manasseh's reign was the longest and perhaps the most wicked of all the kings in Judah. Some blots on his record, you heard them, include this. He reintroduced false gods. He rebuilt high places of false worship. He reinstated the ridiculous worship of the stars. And here's the worst blot. The worst blot is he did much evil. And he provoked the Lord God to anger. This is Hezekiah's boy. He even set that carved image of a false god right here in the house of God. Even a good man like Hezekiah can have a bad influence if he doesn't take up time with the next generation. And so sadly, like all kings, in verse 18, Manasseh rested with his fathers and was buried in the garden of his own house. And I want to share with you another influence. An influence of another king named King Amon. And in chapter 21 of 2 Kings, let's find out about Amon in verse 18. Amon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years, only two years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Meshulameth, and she was the daughter of Haruz of Jotba. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. So he walked in all the ways that his father walked, and he served the idols that his father served, and he worshipped them. He forsook, he abandoned the Lord God of his fathers, and did not walk in the way of the Lord. And then the servants of Amon conspired against him and killed the king in his own house. But the people of the land executed all those who had conspired against the king. And then the people of the land made his son Josiah king in his place. King Amon only reigned two years. Two little old years. He was notorious for idolatry, notorious for forsaking the one true God. And get this, his evil was so bad. He was so evil that even the evil people hated him. He was so wicked that even the wicked people couldn't stand him. And so they all conspired and they killed him. Then the people of the nation gathered together and they killed the conspirators. Now, first thing that I was wondering was, were they in support of this wicked king? Is that why they killed the conspirators? Or were they just trying to make a show? I don't know, but sometimes we're guilty of just going along with the status quo. And it's almost like we're, we're actually in support of what some of the things of our, that our nation does. But I praise God that King Amon was only alive for two years. I praise God that Amon was gone before he influenced Josiah. And that brings me to the, the last king. And I want to tell you about the influence that King Josiah had. In chapter 22, 
Josiah was eight years old. Eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adalia of Bosca. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in all the ways of his father David, and he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. And if you'll continue in chapter 23, verse 1, Now the king sent them to gather the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him, and the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with all the men of Judah, and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, the small ones and the great ones. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood by a pillar and he made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his might to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand with him in that covenant. In verse 25, the Bible sums up Josiah's reign, saying, Now before him there was no king like him. No king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to the law of Moses, nor did anyone after him arise. Who influenced uh, Josiah? It certainly wasn't his daddy Amon. Who influenced Josiah? It certainly wasn't his granddaddy Manasseh. Who influenced Josiah? God himself influenced Josiah. God surrounded the boy with his men. In fact, the prophets Zephaniah and Jeremiah were the prophets in that day. And those guys have Old Testament books in their name. But he took courageous action against idolatry. He influenced people to return to the Lord. He repaired the Lord's temple. He led people back to God's word. And he restored the true and faithful worship of the one and only true God, Jehovah. Friend, do you see what influence people have? Influence. Influence can translate into history. Influence translates into history. When we obediently let God influence us, and when we faithfully influence the next generation, history begins to change. What is the purpose of CIA on Wednesdays? What is the purpose of gathering a bunch of children and youth here in this place? One reason. Influence. We want to influence those young people for the glory of God. And you have the power of influence. Every one of you. But like our wallets, sometimes all we do with our influence is sit on it. What are you going to do with your influence? 
If you sit on it, you might as well not have it. If you don't use it, I kind of wonder if God might take it from you. You have influence. Will you use it? We have had several people that have committed to influence the next generation. No. We've had several people that have committed to influence the next generation so that we change history. I'm so tired of people whining and crying about the status of our nation because many of those same ones that are complaining and whining about it are not doing anything about the next generation. Whose fault is it? It's our fault. We're not doing anything to change it. We're not using our influence. What are you doing with your influence? You said yourself that it's a privilege. It's a gift. You impact others. You change lives. We've discovered here, through five examples of influence, that history has changed. But we don't believe that, do we? You don't believe that your influence changes history, do you? Do you? I'm telling you it does. It may not be on the grandiose global scale, but you're going to change the history of one young person. But you got to come here to do it. Our list continues on out in the foyer for Christians in action. We still need help. We still need teachers. We still need leaders. We still need examples. We still need people who are willing to influence the next generation. All these kings had a great opportunity to influence. Some of them for evil and some of them for the glory of God. I want to encourage you today, be an influence. Be an influence for the kingdom of God. Be a Hezekiah. Be a Josiah. Lead somebody into a relationship with God. Lead somebody into a close relationship with the word of God. Lead them to become an influence. And make sure that you're living the example. Rejecting all the idols that we have in our world today. Making sure that you're trusting God completely. That you're leading people in the word of God. That you're encouraging the next generation for him. You know, when I begin to think about the greatest influence in my life. Names that come to my mind immediately are Brother Ronnie, my pastor for years. I think of how Janet has influenced me. I think of how other men of God have influenced me and want me to be a better pastor and a better man of God. But you know what? There's been nobody who have influenced me like Jesus did. When I believed in his gospel... When I believed in what he did, he changed the course of history for me. What's the gospel, Bill? 
Paul summed it up in Romans chapter 1 when he said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What is it? It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. That's what the gospel is. Well, not very many specifics in that bill. What's the gospel? Well, it's the power of Christ for salvation to everyone who believes. Well, what do I got to believe? Well, Paul also summed that up in 1 Corinthians 15 when he said, Brethren, I declare to you the gospel. The gospel that I preach to you, which you receive, and in which you stand, by which you also are saved. If you hold fast to that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you that which I also believed, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried, and he rose again, according to the scriptures. The Bible says that if you believe that gospel, Jesus will have a influence on your life that will change the course of history. If you want to be a good influence, if you want to be an eternal influence in the life of our children and young people, it all begins there. It all begins with the gospel. The gospel to salvation for those who believe. So this decision time could be for you. It could be an opportunity for you to profess your belief in this gospel that Jesus died for your sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day. But this decision time is also an opportunity for you to say, you know what, I have been sitting on my influence long enough. I'm going to use it to influence the next generation. I want to pray with you about that if that's the way the Lord is leading you. If there's any prayer concerns that I can pray with you about, I want to do that. But most of all, if you haven't received the influence of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I want you to receive that today. Let me pray for you.